Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So, so you guys have both seen Point Break, obviously, right? Yes, nice. Nice. Okay, and you and you've seen Roadhouse, right? Oh yeah. Yes. Okay, so I, I'm not going to claim I'm not going to claim to totally take responsibility for this because uh, my fiance came up with it, but I think it's something to be uh, to, to to consider that Roadhouse is the origin story of Bodie. <laughs> like that's where he came from. Like he was just this the, the this bouncer guy. He pulled out throats, you know, and then. So and Dalton, he, Dalton is Bodie. Dalton is Bodie. Then he just got Dalton sick Bodie, of it. His and just name moved. is Dalton Bodie. No, just, his name's exa- Dalton oh, that's in Roadhouse, right? Yeah, but he, I know, but he, yeah, his Dal- last name Dalton Bodie. <laughs> yeah, and so he just changes his name and moves to the beach, and like he's such a thrill junkie now because of the lifestyle he's lived that he can't just have a normal life. So he starts well, robbing well, banks, and he's totally like philosophical well, in both films. Well, Jonathan, once you rip someone's throat out, right. Where do you go from there? You bank go robbing. to you go to fucking being an ex-president bank robber. But he was pretty he was pretty law and order in Roadhouse, right? He, well, not exactly. He was. I mean, I mean he pulled he, out throats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Again, but but in the name of the throat pulling out, in the name of law and order. <laughs> well, in the for the bar though, but not like not in not like for the man, but just for the bar. He was he he wasn't employed by the like government or anything. He was just a, a bouncer. But you know, he was all super philosophical. The or hair, at a certain point in between there. He de- he decided that you know what, it, it, it all means nothing. I'm just gonna have some fun. I'm, well, gonna, he, I'm gonna get my kicks. No, he kind of felt that way before. Exactly, exactly, exactly. He kind of felt that way. That's why he was trying to leave. And then like you know, his buddy gets killed, and like things just start going well with the doctor chick. And like then he moves out to the and starts surfing. The the hair is a reoccurring theme. Like there's intense hair in both movies. Uh, there's yeah. philosophical yeah, he, has, he has he he develops an infatuation with Nixon. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just like I, I think, mean, not Nixon, Reagan. <laughs> is he well, Reagan? I guess all of them. All of them. I mean, Republicans he's in general. Yeah, he's he's Reagan. Yeah. Um, he would have had to have learned how to surf pretty quick. He's a pretty badass surfer. That would have been a tall order. But I guess Dalton could handle it. I mean, yeah, he, he, was, he was he was meditating <laughs> and doing yoga and karate. Roadhouse. He could do anything, Roadhouse. Neil. He could st- he could stand on a surfboard in five minutes. Come on. But yeah, think I, about I, that. I think it's an origin story. I, st- I like that. I like that idea. It's the I like that theory. I think you I should do a YouTube oh, you presentation. Think? Clip it that's together. Not ba- yeah. That's not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, speaking of that, do you guys know what the best line from Point Break is? Oh, the best. Uh, now, young, dumb, and full of cum. Now, can we discuss the... Let's, let's discuss the top ones, then we'll see which one's the best. All right. My favorite line is, Utah, make it two. <laughs> Talking about the meatball subs. <laughs> uh, um, my favorite one to quote is, "I am an FBI agent." It's like, <laughs> it's like, no, you're not. You're so not. I don't believe that at all. Well, well, Gary Busey also has a great line in that. It's something about I'm living in LA. I've been in LA for 30 years or something like that. And he's like, "Air got dirty and the sex got clean." <laughs> <laughs> no, when that little punk ass kid at the drunk at the surf shop is like, "Surfing's a source, man." It's like you're fucking twelve. Like, shut up. Surfing's the source. Yeah, he's like twelve. Someone talking once about Bodie. Like, how would he know the random? Like, how would he know the football player? Just didn't seem like a huge like following Big Ten football. Well, if he, <laughs> he was a bouncer, he lived in Texas <laughs> at one point, exactly. and he definitely would have known. That, yeah, I guess that, 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 that brings it all back. 
Because when he's hanging out, sitting there watching the games and nothing's happening, you know, like at the bar, when he's not whipping ass. He was definitely hook'em horns in Roadhouse, and then he moved, and then he, he, he knew about it from the Rose Bowl or something. Yeah. No, no, no. What am I talking about? What am I talking about? The fucking amateur hour. The best fucking quote line in Point Break is fear causes he- hesitation, and hesitation will call your, cause your greatest fears to come true. And that's a Dalton line. That is a Dalton That's what line I'm talking about. One. That's what I'm saying. Like, you, guys, you guys got it all wrong. It's you talking. I, make it true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you, though, one of the best use of a Hendrix song is when they're at the party and they're playing a six or nine. I love how, like, great music makes the coolest actors, like, cooler. It's like the Stones with, like, De Niro and Scorsese and all that. Like, those movies would not be as good if, if they weren't filled with Stone songs. Yeah. I mean, he's a master at using music. I mean, you could say the same for like, just keeps, Tarantino. You know, he keeps picking Stone songs specifically. There's so many Stones. Like Casino is all Stones. Most directors have like a music. Someone who's picking songs for the soundtrack. I mean, he probably Most says, do. "Hey, I'm sure he had certain Stone Stone songs in mind." But hey, he marries cinema and Stone songs better than anyone else, and anybody can I grab mean, a Stone fair, song. To be fair, you can put a, a Stone cool song on anything and make anything look cool. That's the point nope, of it. No, nobody's. I'm done not it saying like it makes you Scorsese. I'm just saying yeah. you can make anything look pretty cool when you put some. Like, can't you hear me knocking behind it? And what would Goodfellas yeah. be without Layla at the end? Yeah, right. Well, that's the greatest use. That's definitely yeah, awesome. Maybe. Goodfellas is is a perfect example of music. I mean, the whole be when he's baby. walking into the club, "Be My Baby," like oh, that yeah. is. The yeah. best that's part. That's the best that's song. Casino. No, it's in Goodfellas too. When he's walking into the restaurant. Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of Love Is Strange in Casino. That is a great use of Love Is Strange in Casino. Where he hits Pauls on Sharon Stone. It's funny that the real big bands. I mean, the Doors were big, like, and they had a movie made a long time ago. Like, and Queen just had one made. But like the Beatles, like the classics, the Beatles, the Stones. Elvis doesn't really have a quintessential. Elvis movie that was made about him. Dylan doesn't have anything made about him. I I wonder if it's if like once all the members are passed away, the Stones. There's so many people like that. That'd be impossible to get a, a movie about that. And you would have to make a movie about a like a specific maybe like Making Exile or. Yeah, I think of it. I mean, I think if you're too big, movies just don't work. If you're too familiar with the people, like I didn't, I have a hard time enjoying yeah, any movie the- about somebody I know too much about. Yeah, and they've they've tried time and time again to make a good Hendrix movie, and they fail. You can't time. do it. Like, but you can do it about a specific time period. Like, you know, they made a movie about John Lennon. I think it was called Nowhere Boy. Pretty good. It's about Lennon at the very beginning of the Beatles. Like Corey, man, doesn't even get into the Beatles. It's just about him from like sixteen to twenty, and like meeting Paul is kind of a part of it. And just like his relationship with his mom and stuff like that. And so it's a very specific time period in a famous person's life there's just so many stories out there and kind of like this podcast pod gave rock and roll to you there's so many songs out there that you can talk about and <laughs> it's a lot uh, easier to talk about a song for free than make a movie that's segue <laughs> exactly segue. and this week we are discussing <laughs> that segue Karma. that segue looked like a segue <laughs> <laughs> like josh i found you it you just wrote it on the segue it. Oh my god. <laughs> and this week we are talking about Instant Karma by John Lennon, a 1970s single. And Neil, you picked a song, so get us started. 
the beginning. I thought maybe it was too too big of a song, too popular. But as I dug into it, I just realized more and more how much I love it. I just think of it more like less of a song and more of like a grand inspiration. Everything he was trying to do back then, his overall message just wrapped into like one passionately, like defiantly optimistic stroke of genius. I just think it's a masterpiece from his vocals to the composition, the performance. And I also think it's the best work as a solo artist from a Beatle, not as the Beatles. I mean, this is just a perfect encapsulation of him doing everything that he does. It's almost like early Lennon in the Beatles, but matured to the point. It's like an early Beatles tune. I mean, maybe that has to do with the fact that he's joining with another master, you know, the master producer, Phil, Phil Spector, who's also at the top of his game. And it sounds like that early 60s sound, but a much more mature Lennon with such a, like an optimistic message and is just rock and roll, passionate vocals. Just everything about it is everything that you like about him. When you hear it, it's, it's like walking down the street. You got a pep in your step. You know? Oh, yeah. Did you say pep? I guess I said pep. I just want to be clear. I heard you say pep. Every every podcast I've noticed you say something. I'm just like, did you say? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, what can you say about? It? I mean, it's a great song. It's uh, it's definitely, it's one of those things that happens after years of writing great songs, and you can just tell he's totally at ease. Like, there's no effort. I think when you do stuff long enough like that, you just the way you can learn to think in any language or any structure, you can learn to think in songs. It's a perfect marriage of the music that came before them. With like the pretty straight ahead Sun Records vibe, then combined with everything they brought to the game, which is optimism and insights and social commentary and production and arrangement, it, it's really you, you know you could ar- almost argue that when when that sang- song came out, that it kind of was like a bookend for like rock and roll and songwriting to that point in the sense that like you know if it started with say Chuck Berry or some of the guys Lieber and Stoller or whoever who were writing those Elvis tunes this was like all right for the moment right now this is as far as it's come and since then things have happened of course but uh it's pretty profoundly great and performed by one of the most important figures yeah with all the best players and all the best is uh, this is like this is basically all the best like the janitor who was cleaning the studio <laughs> should be in the rock. Just everybody at associ- the top of his game. I mean, everybody, everybody associated with this is just like crushing it. Just the philosophy of the song, just everything he's saying, just there's, there's consequences for how we're living, like wake up and join the human race and such a cool perspective that he presents to strive for. I mean, it's obviously idealistic. Not many songs, um, are this uplifting and hopeful without being sappy. It's pretty tough to do. Well, yeah, I think the reason why, um, it is because he wasn't trying to uh, echo some thought he had heard before. I feel like so many folks who write songs these days, there's not a lot of, I mean, I don't want to sound bad, but there's just not, frankly, not a lot of insight. They're written to be part of a career, and I'm a songwriter, so I write songs, and there's only so many things to talk about. So, but this, you can tell the spirit of the idea is what generated the, even taking the time to write the song. And I feel like that's a rare thing these days, a, a, a rare thing. And so that's why it didn't seem like he was going for something and missing it because he was just he was, he was going for it from a very genuine place, I feel like. I don't I mean, I've always known the words to the song, but, I, you know, I've never really put them together. It's all you get to the refrain and it's just we are and you just hear that. And it's so 
upbeat and optimistic. But when I we, I was listening to it and I you know was reading the lyric this week, it's just like wow, this is just an assault on cynicism and apathy and personal responsibility and accountability. And, and there's so much more. And he also like it's so impressive because he combines sarcasm and cynicism and optimism at the same time and it all coalesces in this like we all shine on like it doesn't matter like we're we all have this and we can we all need to take responsibility for ourselves and for everything around us and be good be better yeah it's so defiant he's like yelling this stuff at you oh yeah and you can you say like jonathan you said you think in songs i mean this was the supposedly the fastest written to record song in history it was 10 days he basically he had a conversation with some people he heard the phrase instant karma he was familiar with buddhism and he was like got it i guarantee you i don't know this but i guarantee you when he when he, the first line he wrote is the first line instant mm-hmm. karma gonna get you sure you yeah, know like absolutely it, he probably had that little beat and he's like instant karma gonna get you and it's such a great idea and, and you could tell like he heard that and he was like got it i know what i want to do and just sketch it out probably like that and Going with that, assuming that's the case, if if that is the case, it will be a, an anomaly, though, in the sense that I don't, at least you, when I write songs or whatever, like I don't ever start and then try to find a chorus because I feel like it's a great way to get nowhere. Like, and so if he did start with that and then worked his way to that epic, timeless yeah. chorus, now he could have had that yeah. before. He could have had that maybe I don't know, but like. Because well, I agree with you, it feels like you started with instant karma, but to then work your way into like, you know, I started out with this little thing about the South, and then I don't know, I just ended up making, <laughs> I ended up making, you know, uh, gone with the wind. Uh, you know, it's just like crazy to start somewhere so humbly and then end up somewhere so magnificently, so magnificent rather. It all did happen so quick. Like he, he basically famously said he wrote this for breakfast, recorded it for lunch, and was going to release it for dinner. You can tell like. He just had something flowing through him when he wrote this. And I, I could see, like, he's just like, he wrote all the lyrics, and then he was like, eh, we all shine on. That sounds good. Moon starts, sun rhymes. Let's, let's go. <laughs> well, it's funny because on, like, later releases, it says Instant Karma, and in parentheses, we all shine on. But the initial release was just Instant Karma. So why wasn't this called We All Shine On? It had to have started with Instant Karma. Like, it, it, that was obviously a choice, and it probably had to do with the fact to start with. But We All Shine On kind of makes more sense to be the title of the song but i guess instant karma is more of the idea of the song yeah we all shine like on is kind of the result the of, inspiration right of of instant karma if it's if it's executed correctly yeah and it all makes sense because we all shine on like the chorus in the wrong hands or the wrong song could be terrible just so sappy and but mixed with the great words the production and the sound and and with everyone like the whole chorus of people singing it is just such a great thing. If you think about it at the time, if you're thinking about songs that were, because it's not really a rev- like a revolution song. It's not even like Give Peace a Chance, which was, you know, another single that he came out at, with at the same time. I would say it's probably more similar to War Is Over, in terms yeah, of other yeah. stuff that he was doing. It, yeah, it definitely sounds but, like that. But it's not necessarily like a, a revolution. It's not revolution or street fight man or it's almost like an individual inspiration song. There again, that's another reason why it's kind of rebellious. It's, it's rebellious actually against the idea of rebellion in the sense that 
it's so easy to blame someone else for your problems. And Lord knows sometimes other folks are responsible. Once again, depending on your situation in life, there is racism, sexism, of course, whatever. But beyond that, so much of everything we do and choose and encounter, and frankly, so many of the problems we make are often of our own making. And so for him to focus on the individual over the the man, as they say, I think is... Because, uh, I mean, in the 60s and everything, it was civil rights, so it was definitely very much about not being held down by anybody. I think by the time Lennon came around, he realized there's really more to it than that, and we, we hold ourselves back more than anybody, which is a Buddhist well, yeah, idea. Yeah, and he, he was familiar with that, and it's every individual action you take they add up, not, not only for you and your soul, but for the soul of your community and, and everybody you're around. Instant karma. It, it's a, yeah, yeah, and it's all in, instantly reaction. Get yourself together. <laughs> yeah, it's going to knock you right in the head. The, the lyrics of the song are, 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 are fantastic. Whenever you can get lyrics that build up in such a clever way and funny, like, you know, he cracks a couple of jokes, pretty soon, you you know, get yourself together, pretty soon you're going to be dead. Hilarious. It's almost funny in a way. It, <laughs> One of the best parts of the song that just really ties it together is who on earth do you think you are? A superstar? Well, right, you are. It's just like he's asking you two questions and then telling you, yes, you are. We all yeah. shine on. It's it's such a yeah, don't, cool don't e- well, it's it's don't even think about it. Instant. Be positive and and respond correctly. You know, be better in everything and shine on. Well, you know, the idea I think behind you know something like instant karma is if it's the idea that there's really no one but us there's really no one everyone you see is you looking back at you so if you do something cruel you're only doing it to yourself in the sense that everyone is everyone is me everyone is you like that it's all somebody and so these things happen instantly and you know there are no good guys and bad guys it's just a bunch of us trying to figure it out why would you laugh in the face of love like what are you trying to do (laughs) <laughs> you know, why would you do that? Why, why, why are you being cynical? And these are fair questions because I've seen him um, an interview he gave, and it was, it was a reporter. I don't know. She is clearly in New York. I don't know which paper she worked for, but she was just ripping him a new one about like, do you think you're changing anything? Do you think you're whatever? And it's kind of like he certainly wasn't suggesting that he was the source of some kind of worldwide change, but he was also saying like, well, I gotta try. Like, what else should I do? Like, you know, I'm famous yeah. and rich, and like. I'm glad you liked, you know, love me do and stuff, but like there's, there's yeah. kind of more going on and I'm just trying to, I'm trying to help however yeah, I can. I think, I think I've seen that. It's brutal. Well, yeah. She's it's, rough. It, yeah. She's so cynical. <laughs> I mean, she's so cynical at somebody who's just volunteering, you know, themselves and, and their efforts. I, I believe he definitely did change. We're sitting here talking about him today and he's, his songs ring just as true as they did in 1970 and, and inspire everyone from musicians to any artist or just people in general across the world. So well, I mean, he succeeded. There aren't many musicians that are practically martyred. That really yeah. well, and if you, seals but if you, the deal. If you think about it, I mean, his message at that time, give peace a chance, instant karma, war is over, uh, happy Christmas. And imagine, imagine is as far out there in terms of a, a, a political belief or societal belief as you can get. I mean, that is straight up everyone should share everything that is the antithesis of capitalism basically he was so comfortable in in his beliefs and who he was that he and even in that interview i've seen that too he's just so he's not being mean to her he's just so peaceful and and offering a message that's that's so positive that his message comes off looking better for it he's leading by action as well you know this is the word i try not i don't use too often but she just seems mean 
<laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's, and he contrasts that. He he makes sure to it's magnified by his reaction and his calm and his demeanor, you know, and his message. I think the thing that's so brutal about what she's doing is how he's trying. And I I don't know if there's anything that irks me more than someone who's not doing anything, given someone who's doing their best a hard time. Like I just I just there's that, something about that in any situation that fun like when like somebody sitting on the sidelines not even getting in the game, is just sitting there like talking crap about somebody who's out there trying. But what you're describing is basically Twitter. <laughs> well, yeah. no, you know? not exactly. Yeah. I mean, It's a bunch of people not doing anything but sitting there and being self-righteous and, and, well, and, and as, throwing shade at other people who they don't know. You know what, well, that's you not know. all it is. That's very simple. No, it's, that's the worst part. That's, that's the... That's the part that's magnified. You should that, be more that, positive, that That's the echo. Have you heard that, that song, It's the Karma? You should check it out. I should check it out. <laughs> For the music, uh, it, like, it was all written so fast. Uh, John Lennon was on vocals, electric guitar, piano. Um, he had Harrison there. He called in Harrison to work on it. Uh, I think he laid down some acoustic. Klaus Vorman was on bass guitar. Billy Preston played a little organ. And a guy named Alan White played the drums, the shit out of the drums. <laughs> And obviously Yoko was doing some bullshit. But <laughs> obviously, on bullshit, Yoko on She was, she was, she Yoko on bullshit. <laughs> she was on, she was knitting blindfolded in one of the videos, which was great. And yeah, just as far as the music, I love that he pulls out his whole bag of tricks, like vocally and everything. Like he's, he, it's some of his speak singing, his like gritty yelling and. Just the the echo they put on it. My favorite part, like the, the drumming just does it. Basically, all you can really hear is the piano, the drums, bass, and him singing. Like it's tough to make out a lot of the other stuff going on, but that's kind of all you need. What is the the little ding, ding? Just the beginning? It's just two piano chords. Great. It's a great way to start a song. I wonder why that is the beginning of the song. Do you think it adds any meaning to the song, or do you think it just sounds really good? Well, it's it's like, a, because it comes in just right away, just doom, doom, just like with the drums and him pounding on the piano. It needed something, so it just didn't come out of the gates, just like out of nowhere. Well, you know what it comes in like is, and it, right when I when I first listened to it this week, I'd never really thought about this before. It sounds just like Gary Glitter basically took Rock and Roll Part One and Two. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, Ooh, that's the karma. That's what I almost that. did. I was about to go boom, 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 boom. boom. <laughs> you started that, <laughs> bound, you know. But instead of making it, <laughs> I think it's the be- but just basically stole that. I think it's the beginning because it's the first thing you hear. <laughs> Zing! Oh, it sounds like it's a fuse. Right away. It's like a fuse being lit. Yeah, and then it's right in your face, as he says. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's really like a a, a more energetic. Uh, all you need is love. It kind of has yeah. the same. Well, it's the same progression. It's yeah. It's uh, it's similar. I, I think I, I read that he kind of used three blind mice. That kind of just that chord, those chord movements for all you need is love and the song, which is really <laughs> going going back to the yeah, written so quickly and like recorded so quickly. It's also like I, it's not bad, but I think my my least favorite part of the song is a little kind of fill. You know, what? where he just kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I think you meant oh, the drum right. fill. Oh, yeah, I, I thought mean, you did too, actually. It adds more, like, it fits with the song because, as I said, like, the pep in your step, like, it's like, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, oh my god. Uh-huh. But <laughs> but that's, that's, a V8 today or something. Well, that's definitely the most boring part of the song. Yeah, I, I think it's I was gonna bring it up because I thought it was cool that he that he did that. Basically the solo section is just him kinda grunting and doing the yeah yeah yeah. Like that is the solo of the song. Like he basically just wanted to keep going. He didn't I don't know if he had more words or didn't want to use them or whatever, but I thought it was a bold move. It's not it's not a great part, but it I didn't even really notice until I was listening to it that that was just a break in the song. Like that was the solo. So it's, it always just flowed so well through the song. It's almost It almost just tees up the chorus again. Absolutely. Um, there's another thing that's going on in there that's very subtle, but I think it, uh, I just don't think it'd be the same without it, is there's a clap. There's just like a bunch of folks, there's a clap on the quarter oh, yeah. beat. And mm-hmm. the, in accordance with the whole like we, we all kind of theme of the tune, it makes it feel very communal. And uh, it's subtle, man, but... When, when you have that kind of clapping in there, it, it really adds, it's a percussive thing that you don't, doesn't really pull your attention, but it adds to the flavor of it a lot. The other thing that you say, the communal aspect of it, I think probably the coolest part of like the story around the song, and one of the, I think the coolest parts of the song is that in order to get the harmonies on the We All Shine Own, they basically went to a bar in the West End around the corner from Abbey Road called Hatchets, <laughs> grabbed a bunch of people, brought them back to the studio, and Harrison kind of conducted them how to sing yeah. the harmonies for the song. That's so, amazing. Reading that, you're like, imagine just drinking at a bar. Like if we were at Shay J and just having drinks, like, and somebody walked in, it's like, yo, we need uh, some people to sing backup. <laughs> and we were like, all right, cool. And then you just walk to a studio, and it's like John Lennon. All right, let's do this. Well, yeah, George it's Harrison's just telling you how to sing. <laughs> Such a great idea, like Lennon sitting around me, like the chorus needs something. Damn it! It's like it needs a bunch of drunk. It needs a bunch of drunk. Yeah, but he was, but he was in that frame of mind. I mean, like Give Peace a Chance has the same harmonies to it. So yeah. does War Is Over. They were all recorded around the same time. Like, like you said, Jonathan, it's all just this communal aspect of people together and and putting this message out, you know, with as many voices as possible. It's funny how like, and obviously there, there's no comparison, but it just shows you the power of a song how much more of an impression this makes on me than honestly like a lot of beach boys that's hyper arranged. I mean, there's some beach boys I really dig, but so much of it, I'm like, you shoved a, a class, like a classical, like opera or whatever, um, choral singing into like these kind of teenage tunes. Whereas this is the most down home, everyone hoot and holler kind of singing you'll hear, but it's because the song's more effective. I think the the singing is more effective. And I think that's probably because the song's so much more in your face. Whereas what like some of the stuff you like the Beach Boy stuff that's really affecting to me is much more it's more composed more like beautiful I would say and nice and and nuanced. Whereas this is just you can imagine a twenty year old Lennon singing this because it kind of sounds like early Lennon. The vocal is so powerful and his classic rock and roll rasp, which has got to be you know yeah. which is one of the best rock and roll vocals. Yeah, you know you can hear. Is just so prevalent and so in your face in this song, and with those with the drums just mm-hmm. co- combined, I almost feel like you could hear just the vocals and the drums, and it would still be a very powerful song. Certainly, not as good, obviously, but still, I think those are the two standout musical aspects of it. And I think I think now's the point we got to get to speaking back to our uh, "Be My Little Baby" from Goodfellas, the the elephant in the room, the producer makes this song 
even more so than it is. I mean, Phil Spector really adds something to it that it, make, it makes it a completely different thing. It, it gets that sound. And what's so funny, you know, I read that Len, he asked Lenny, he's like, how do you want this? He's like, 50s, but now. Mm-hmm. That's probably when he pulled his gun out. Because he did actually pull a gun out and shoot it in the studio ones with Lennon in there. <laughs> with Lennon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jonathan, earlier you mentioned the Sun recordings. and that, that, that was brought up, like the echo, and that's what he wanted it to sound totally like. Totally on his vocal. There, there's a couple different stories about how Phil Spector got involved, but one of them, Lennon either called Harrison or, or Phil Spector and was like, come over here quick. Uh, I've just written a monster. <laughs> nice, nice. It's one of those things where I would really like to go, I would love to hear it if someone else had produced it or just Lennon left to his own devices. Not because I think it would be as good even, but just to see the effect that like a Phil Spector has on a situation. I'd, I'd be very yeah. curious to see where he took well, it versus where it would have been. I think they, had, they hadn't worked with him before, I don't believe. No. Yeah, yeah, this led yeah, to him the, producing yeah. Let It Be. Kind of that famous story of Lennon and, and Harrison being like, oh, yeah, let's let's do that. And then George Martin and McCartney didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. You definitely hear his his kind of signature on everything because everything's just, there's just reverb. Everything kind of well, mush, mushes together, that wall of sound kind of vibe, as they put it. They definitely had to hold him back a little bit. He wanted to put strings on it, and Lennon was like, no, it's done. I'm releasing it. <laughs> And he, and he mixed a different one. The UK release and the US release were both different mixes. And he didn't even tell Lennon he had he had, he had remixed it for the US release. <laughs> it's so which, is, which blows the mind. Like, how could you do that? It's like the biggest rock star in the world, and like you just, yeah, I'll remix it for the US release. It'll be fine. When he was on trial, there's a picture of him in Rolling Stone, <laughs> and he had like this crazy ass wig on, like insane, massive blonde wig. And it said the notorious W-I-G. Nice, nice. <laughs> it was awesome. Well, he, is his sound all, is that what it is? It's all, it's all echo and reverb? What, what, the wall of sound, is it, is it just reverb? Or is it he's adding a bunch of other stuff well, well, layered on top of, is he duplicating things? Well, it's, a lot of times it's that. But in this song, th- this tune would be a little more on the Spartan side for like wall of sound. But with, just with the reverb, the way it all kind of like, like the way you're saying you're having a hard time hearing specific instruments it's yeah, just that kind of like texturizing yeah, he, of it all yeah he mixes it all into one and, and does layer a lot of stuff i know there's a drum track and then like a muffled drum track and yeah i think that was his whole thing like especially accentuating the drums in a big way the same like we we're talking about be my baby and the ronettes that just that doom, 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 doom. it's very and i don't know i mean i don't know how he does it i don't know exactly what the wall sound is but it's it's beautiful <laughs> It does it with the gun. It's all about the gun. <laughs> well, he, he and the piano. I mean, the piano is pretty high in there too, and he's just banging well, on that. And there's three right. pianos. There's two pianos and an electric piano. Yeah. Oh, really? I thought yeah. it kind of sounds like it's. Well, well, okay, so that's that's the wall of sound. Yeah, he's got yeah. he's got multiple redundancies. Mm-hmm. I think is no, the key yeah, yeah, There's an acoustic guitar, an electric guitar. You can't hear any of that. It's just in the wall, coming at you. John. So Jonathan, what's your uh, what's your favorite part of the song? Right before the chorus hits, the pre-chorus, you know, you're everywhere. You're gonna get your share like that part. Like every when, time, yeah. it, it's so. Yeah, yeah. It's, when he when he goes to the four right there. And he, yeah, he's always here. He's always like screaming that part. 
there too. It's great. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if it's a four or not, but like whatever it is, because it's like you think it's what gonna. What you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. It's up to you. Yeah, 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 you. yeah, yeah that's it. Um, <laughs> that's the sound <laughs> I was. Like, that's the sound I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> you know that Marvin sound you're looking for. <laughs> um, because what it is, is, you feel like you feel like it, you feel like it's going to end. Like you think you're a superstar, but then there's that little tag. Yeah. Well, right, you are, and then bam. So it's like you yeah, caught yeah, off guard, and then then he really drops. Well, that's it. such a bait and switch. Like you think you're a superstar. Yeah. Well, right, you are. <laughs> and then then the real punchline. And then all comes. these people come in. Yeah, and it's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's, and it's phenomenal. Speaking of which, that was that's my favorite part. That line specifically. I love the drum fills, and there's one other part that I love uh, right at the end where they're repeating the chorus, and he's he's doing like a real low. What well, we all. Drops into this oh, real yeah. low, like what we all shine, like with everyone screaming behind him. It's great. Yeah, I, I agree with Jonathan. I mean, the who on earth do you think you are? A superstar will write you are. It's just and then going into that, it's just phenomenal. And for me, it's that part point of the pre-chorus or whatever it is, regardless of which words. I mean, uh, th- the first one's great. The good songs, you hear some stuff. It's like, oh man, that sounds really good. But then, like, great songs, it's like, there's some part that sounds really good, and there's some other part that you didn't expect that sounds really good. <laughs> like, transcend that, But yeah. then there's great <laughs> songs where there's a third part you never on your best day would have thought of. That's an example of, like, I knew a lot of people who listened to a lot of Fish, and they were like, dude, you just don't understand, man. Like, when you go to their shows, and, like, they're playing the jams, like, they're, they're here, and then they, like, go here, and you don't think they can go anywhere else, and then they go here, man. And, then, <laughs> and then it's So what you're talking about is like that. It's like he's somewhere that you're already digging, and then he goes somewhere else where you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming, but that's great. And then he goes somewhere else. Right, and you're like, except this is all in the context of, of 40 seconds instead of 40 minutes. Like, so that's yeah. <laughs> not, not, no shade on fish. I like fish. I've seen fish numerous times. I like fish. Um, but I'm like, sure, I'm not. I'm not saying this is as good as a fish jam. I'm just. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not. We're not saying John Lennon's <laughs> as good as a fish jam or anything. I mean, or Drake. This this isn't uh, tease. He's no or... Drake. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like it's just brilliant songwriting. I mean, it's part of the way you can tell how brilliant it is is how casual it all seems. Yeah, it, yeah. And it is because it's it's easy. Like Levon Helm said, "Ain't it easy when you know how?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do, what, do y'all have a least favorite part? The end is, I hate it that it ends. It should just never end. It's ah, a great answer. I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback on that. Here, already, here. I've already said the little, I've already said the little mu- musical break is probably my, my least favorite part, even though I don't think it's a bad part of the song. It's just, it makes sense and it works in the song, but, you know, I can do it. It's just it. so cool that, like, at the same time, in the middle of this simple little insightful spiritual rock and roll song they just put these massive drum fills I mean just these like massive like huge it's so like fuck it man we're still playing rock yeah, and roll like, it's, let's it's have some great fun. I think that, well, that 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 also makes it kind of like an arena anthem tune like I mean I feel like you could hear oh, like, if, you yeah, know, are you if kidding he, if he was able to go into the 80s with this like this would be like can you imagine 80,000 people seeing this yeah. singing this at Live uh, Aid yeah, or something just, and I think that the drummer brought that to, I, I don't even know if John knew that he wanted that. At one point, he's like, Alan, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. It's wonderful. Like, just in the main, like, video for the song, there's one, like, the main, one of the big fills. You just see John look up from the piano, look at the drummer like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> you talking about that performance on Top of the Pops? 
No, the not the top hair. of the pops, like the actual video for it. But it looks it it looks the same. It's just a, a little. It's actually a little better than the top of the pops. Just going back to the best part of the song. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse myself. It's yeah. it, it's got to be one of the best refrains of all time. Yeah, the chorus. It, yeah, the we all shine on. It's it's just yeah. I mean, it's it's got to be one of the best. It's really good. Yeah, on one, on one of the the videos. Did you see the one? It's it's the main video for the song where he's wearing like the black turtleneck, the glasses, short hair. Just it's just funny. I scrolled down to the first uh, comment and I was like, I feel like John Lennon's gonna try to sell me a smartphone after this video. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Steve Jobs is using John Lennon. Did you guys listen to any covers? I did. I I, I didn't get through ten seconds of any of them. You two, uh, Duran Duran. You know, <laughs> yeah, thanks. They're, they're they're basically just like bands that want to play the song because it's great, and you, you can, can't blame yeah. them. They're, they're no. not, yeah, no, it's great. But it's they're like, not, they didn't like, re- they didn't record it. It was like done for benefits. They weren't trying to like record it and put it out as like another, like, hey, this is our. But if you're going to do it, all you do is you just have like somebody with an acoustic guitar and like four or five dudes just sit around stomping and singing. Like, just keep it. Mm-hmm. You yeah. got to go simple. You can't, don't polish it up. You know, you're going to, yeah. you're going to kill it. So, I mean, influences. No, I was just trying to think about like what may have inspired this song specifically. And I, I felt like. There might be a little Dylan. I felt like it kind of sounded like Paul Simon, just the, the uplifting nature of it, just kind of that feel. Maybe Crosby, Stills, Nash, Sly and the Family Stone, just because it's all just that good lyricists with some inspirational, uplifting lyrics. And I don't know what it inspired, but I definitely Oasis, the Arctic Monkeys, Lennon specifically. The human race. They, they were... They were <laughs> Well, just those bands specifically are very humanity, very Lennon specific in their Beatles. Yeah, love. consciousness. Yeah, I mean, definitely hear the Sun Records stuff in there at the beginning, um, especially on the first verse. There's there's um, some echo on his vocals, I think, as we mentioned. But then that's just the uh, the verse. Then the chorus is, you know, it's almost like Jefferson Airplane or something, or. Um, John Lennon influencing himself because that's just how significant of an influence he is in rock and roll. <laughs> it's like, it's just, I mean, it's just, because anybody after this, I would say Bowie, but this is pre-Bowie doing, I mean, it's around that same time, but like, I mean, I can't say Bowie influenced John Lennon. I mean, Paul McCartney yeah. probably actually, you know. Like, it's like almost an extension for that time of something like What a Wonderful World. Not musically. I don't know, something yeah, about the it. It's Genesis. like an, an evolution of the message. Mm-hmm. I could see that. To mm-hmm. that time in 1970. And then more to into like this century, it also like obviously like a song like uh, Float On by Modest Mouse has a lot of similarities, which I'd never really thought about before, but it, it, it does. One like yeah, two yeah. words different. <laughs> yeah. Very similar. <laughs> we all float on. Yeah, we all float <laughs> yeah. Next week, join us for our um, deep dive into... Yeah, and the reason the reason we're talking about it is because it influenced the whole world from musicians to everyone. I read that it Stephen King named his book The Shining after hearing the song. Weird. I mean, it came yeah. it came a long time after, but that was kind of just because the in The Shining it's about the people who are good, you know, or you know, it's not about Jack, it's about the kid it's and like, his gift. Here's yeah. Johnny Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> That was in parentheses. And on that note, <laughs> <laughs> the shoe fits. Yeah, I, can, I mean, can I just answer for everyone here? You don't get a chance. The shoe. No fits. one gets a. No okay. one gets to decide if they like this song or not. 
There's no option. <laughs> There's no option. I'm trying to think of like a nice Italian loafer. It's like a, a nice thousand dollar comfortable. One that you'd go drink wine in. Yeah, don't need socks. Don't need anything. Don't need clothes. Just Italian loafers yeah. and wine. Well, if you're, if you're going with the mess, it's just, it's just like a, a, a thin sandal. How, how, how thin is it? <laughs> what do you mean a thin sandal? Like the, the thong's thin, thin or the bottom's? What's, what, what's, what part's thin? Thin sandal. What, what do you, <laughs> the, the sole. It's a thin sole. It's like a, I feel like it's, a Jesus, This is a very cushy a Jesus sandal. This is a very cushy sole, I feel like. It's very it's universally soulful. And on that <laughs> note, we are going to play our own version of Instant Karma, We All Shine On. Instant Karma's gonna get you. Gonna knock you right in the head. You better get yourself together. Pretty soon you're gonna be dead. What in the world are you thinking of? Laughing in the face of love. What on earth are you trying to do? It's up to you. Yeah, you. Instant karma's gonna get you. Gonna look you right in the face. Better get yourself together, darling. Join the human race. Star in the sun, where we all shine on.
cover you just heard was performed by Neil Marsh on guitars, Josh Bond on vocals, Jonathan Horton, the little drums, and a couple of friends of ours singing uh, some harmonies there. We appreciate you listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to communicate with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at pod gave rock and next week is my week and we will be discussing the song milk by the kings of leon from their 2003 album aha shake heartbreak can't wait